This is a Rooster Teeth production. Human sacrifice has been around since the dawn of man. But why? Did it bring them more luck? Good fortune? Or was it a way to keep people in line? Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we explore topics and histories of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. Today's episode is a bit gruesome, Elise. It very much is, Jess, because we are talking in depth about human sacrifice, right? What it is and how it's been practiced. And we're also keen to understand how this morbid ritual was embraced by certain societies and cultures. Yeah, how it evolved and practiced over time, and shockingly, what it resembles when it's still practiced today, which it sometimes sadly is. This episode might get a little graphic, so prepare yourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared, Jess. Good. <laughs> Buckle up, Elise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, when you think of human sacrifice, your brain probably goes to ancient times like the Aztecs or the Mayas, at least that's for me, mm-hmm. uh, and their insane sacrificing tactics. But human sacrifice appears to be as old as humanity itself, although experts do disagree on how and where the practice first started. Yeah, researchers and scholars alike have found evidence of human sacrificial practices dating all the way back to the Iron and Bronze Ages. Moreover, there are traces in archaeological records of various cultures from Paleolithic Europeans to the ancient settlers of China, and these societies engaged in human sacrifice for a number of reasons, some comparable to the Aztecs and others completely unique unto themselves. But why sacrifice a human at all? Well... The reasons vary, but all have one thing in common, good fortune. So we're talking money, Jess. So we're saying if I want a big financial windfall, I could sacrifice, I don't know, maybe a a friend or a colleague or a podcast (laughs) co-host. Wouldn't you want that now, though? Like Like that I would maybe travel across the country to find someone and sacrifice (laughs) them for for a million dollars? Well, I wouldn't do that. Hello? Hello, Jessica. Oh, well, she, it looks like she might have, maybe she went to the bathroom or something. She's she's clearly left the room here. Anyway, it's not like she got scared and ran away or anything. <laughs> but yes, yes, to answer your question, Jess, why would someone do this? The goal and motivation behind human sacrifice was to offer the gods something significant to appease them, or at least that was the outward goal. In return, the gods would give gifts, which could range from agricultural prosperity to the long reign and health of a particular ruler, robust fertility, or just blanket admittance into the afterlife or the divine life. And the list kind of goes on and on. Mm-hmm. I'm back, by the oh, way. Oh, oh, you left. <laughs> A- anyway. <laughs> The history of human sacrifice is closely connected to the history of religion and superstition. Surprise. John Skinner, author of Rituals Matricide, a study of the origins of sacrifice, writes, prehistoric religion originated as a magical sacrament intended to deny the reality of death. In this text, Skinner explains how our innately human fear and curiosity about death manifested itself into these ancient rituals. It turns out that fear is a really, really great motivator to drive people to consume human brains. (laughs) Yep. Yep, sure is. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, human sacrifice was about protecting the majority at the expense of a minority. Human sacrifices were not only conducted to ward off earthquakes and diseases and all that, but also to win or avoid wars. 
They were also used to bless the reign of particular rulers as well as the symbols of their rule. And generally speaking, the people ordering and presiding over the sacrifices were of, coincidentally, a higher status than those sacrificed, which begs Hmm. the question, was human sacrifice really about garnering and achieving this divine blessing, or did it serve a greater social hierarchy purpose, namely to keep the lower sects and subjects of society in line? Yep, that old chestnut. It's mm-hmm. like still still prevalent yeah, it, today. Today it still happens. These things to just mass placency of, yep. of uh, the working class, right? I know. Joseph Watts of the Matt's Planck Institute for the Science of Human History says, quote, social elites used human sacrifice as a tool to instill fear and show their power. But for the most part, human sacrifice is a thing of the past. But Watts and others believe that understanding what motivated it is still very relevant today because other manifestations of extreme inequality absolutely do persist, like slavery, for example. Yeah. And in this scholarly thought and research, there's a desire to really get to the bottom of the why when it comes to human sacrifice. Because if establishing and maintaining social order is the goal, we know that there are much more humane ways of achieving that and doing that in society. Some studies support the so-called social control theory, according to which human sacrifice stabilized societies as they became more stratified by legitimately class distinctions and political authority. And Watts believes that it was no coincidence that the victims were often people who posed a threat to the elites or had kind of fallen out of favor with them. Yeah. I mean, well, it's their fault. You made yourself a target. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, but it makes total sense that, like, if you're someone in power and you're trying to hold on to that power, you would take anyone that showed dissent to you, any of your opponents, and you would be like, well, I think they're a great person to sacrifice. Absolutely. Especially since in some of these cultures, it was happening left and right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it was an easy way to justify it, right? As opposed yeah. to just targeting and eliminating your opponent. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. brings us to, you know, who, who did practice human sacrifice? A lot of cultures oh, yeah. is the answer. More than you might think. And while we can't cover everywhere that practiced uh, in such a small amount of time, we'll hit the highlights. But let's start with the Aztecs and the Mayas because they are just so fun to talk about. Jess, that was so morbid. That was beautifully morbid. The the enjoyment that you, I heard it in your voice just now. Yes, <laughs> I learned it from you. You're my yeah. little morbid mentor. Oh, oh no. But full disclosure, I mean, this podcast probably isn't that fun for the Aztecs and the Mayas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. But for the Aztecs, we all know that the Aztecs are known for human sacrifice, as well as being the last of the great Mesoamerican cultures before the Europeans arrived and brought smallpox and wiped them out. Uh-huh. But anyway, they were also known for lots of other things, their art. and But they were first discovered when Spanish conquistadors invaded Aztec territory, specifically the capital of Tecnochtitlan in 1521, and witnessed these horrific acts. Horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conquistador Andreas de Tapia reported that this particular Tenochtitlan <laughs> temple <laughs> called Tempo Mayor had two surrounding tower structures that were made entirely out of skulls. Uh, and they were not from Spirit Halloween. These were real skulls. And while it was speculated <laughs> that Tapia exaggerated his claims, it was actually confirmed by archaeologists in 2018. 
The practice of human sacrifice involved Aztec priests climbing a tower-like structure, like a pyramid with a flat top, which were these Mesoamerican temples. Once atop this structure, they would use obsidian blades to slice open the chest of the sacrificed and offer their live, beating hearts to the gods. They would then throw the bodies off the side of the tower. I would do that thing where it would be a fake heart, but I would do, you know, the prank where you pump it, you pretend to pump it with your hand. My God, <laughs> So it looks Elise. like a real heart. Anyway. So dark. But Jessica, pray tell, why, why would the priests do such a thing? Yeah, you're you're probably wondering why are these Aztecs it's like sacrificing like insane people? According to Aztec cosmology, their sun god was completely at war with darkness. So the Aztecs fed the sun god human hearts and blood to keep the sun moving. They believed that if the darkness won, the world would end. Mm-hmm. Now at this point in time. Before, obviously, all of our technical advancements and everything, this, I, I can understand their way of thinking. Yes. <laughs> Unlike the sun. <laughs> yes, but. right? Like that you would see the sun and you would think, oh my God, what is that in the sky? That burning mm-hmm. ball that's going to come mm-hmm. for us all eventually. But the whole thinking that if darkness won, the world would end, if Lord of the Rings has taught me anything, that is, in fact, how the world works. It is a constant balance between light and darkness. A hundred percent. So I'm yeah. with uh, the Aztecs on this one. Okay, okay. Another reason that the Aztecs practiced human sacrifice was for intimidation. They used this as a war strategy, and the public sacrifice and displaying of the skulls was as a way to ward off uh, and and intimidate enemies. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be pretty intimidating. (laughs) Same. Conversely to that, there were also willing sacrifice participants, which, come on, guys, like if we're trying to do away with the sacrifices, don't just offer yourselves up. They They were part of the problem. Um, citizens, slaves, soldiers were allegedly sacrificed of their own will and saying allegedly here because I could totally understand or see also how the messaging would be, oh, yeah, they volunteered themselves, but maybe that was just the messaging to the people. But anyway, it was seen as a great honor and a guarantee that you would thrive in the afterlife fighting in the sun god's army against darkness. Another fun tidbit of information that is interesting here is that some speculate that the Aztecs also practiced cannibalism as a form of human sacrifice. After the hearts were extracted from the bodies and the heads were removed for the skull towers, the bodies were gifted to noblemen and other high-ranking Aztecs. Oh, so like instead of like uh, you know, a party where you eat sushi off a person's body, you're just eating the person's body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also, I don't go to any of those parties. I've just seen them in movies that rich people do. Sure, sure. Scholars think that the Aztecs saw consumption of sacrificed flesh as an honor, but they also think that it was only done for very special occasions, which like mm-hmm. I wonder would be special enough an occasion <laughs> to be like, all right, let, let's do the cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. Good point. Good point. But before the Aztecs were the Mayas. The Maya civilization resided mainly in what today is southeastern Mexico and northern Central America. And the civilization was active from around 300 BCE to 1520 BCE. And the Maya were real hardcore. They they had very violent methods of sacrifice that included cutting out the heart, decapitation, disembowelment, or tying up and pushing the sacrifice down stone steps. 
And the method of killing was sometimes dictated by the motivation for the sacrifice, which I don't really see the correlation here, but prisoners of war were most likely disemboweled, whereas if the sacrifice was religiously linked, they would be decapitated or pushed down the stairs. I don't really get the correlation between like wanting to honor God and then pushing someone down the stairs, but I guess that's Mm -hmm. why I'm doing the podcast and they're the subject of it. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I think that's, yep. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Um, My personal favorite. (laughs) Oh, I know you love this, Jess. You sicko. Well, no, it's because I first learned about this when I was in fifth grade, the Maya ball game known as Pakatak. And it involved a hard rubber ball that players passed by knocking the ball off their hips. And the game often had a higher meaning, whether it's symbolic, spiritual, or religious. But sometimes the ball would be made out of skulls, side note. But this is where there's evidence of the decapitation or stair pushing as the form of killing and sacrifice. But um, usually these killings would have taken place regardless, but occurred at the game for the aspect of public spectacle. So I... I Believe it or not, did learn about this in fifth grade. I saw the pictures. I mean, you can even see them to this day. It's like the, this hoop looking thing on the side of uh, the ruins and they would throw the ball in there and whoever would lose would be the um, would be sacrificed just Good. for losing a, a ball game. Oh, my gosh. So like you're, know. you're playing the hardest game of your life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is like I read about this one prison where I think like if the prisoners – beat the wardens or the security at baseball or something, they got years taken off their sentence. Like this, and this was a recent like 20th century thing too. This is bonkers. That's not yeah. how the world should work. Yep. <laughs> no, it's gambling with people's lives, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Maya documented and outlined their sacrifice rituals in their holy book, the Popol Vuh. There is even a passage where the god Tohil asks for a human sacrifice in exchange for fire. Sacrifices were also thought to aid in the renewal of harvest and life cycles. These sacrifices were often carried out by priests or the king. And then there were the blood sacrifices. And I'm not talking about going to the mobile blood donation unit that you sometimes see here in the valley. No, kings or nobles often did this as their blood was considered semi-divine. They used stingray spines and other sharp objects to pierce their genitals, lips, or tongues to produce the blood. Then the blood would be dripped onto bark paper to be burned, and it was believed that the smoke could open a gateway between the worlds and the gods could receive it. Blood was seen as a source of nourishment for their gods. Jeez. And the Maya mm-hmm. the Maya weren't the only ones getting down. Mm-mm. While evidence for human sacrifice in Egypt is sparse and kind of controversial, it seems they largely practiced retainer sacrifice which was servants being killed and then buried with their masters. The idea behind this being that they could continue to serve their master in the afterlife. When I read this, my first thought was like, God, that sucks. (laughs) It (laughs) It does suck, right? It just sucks. And I mean, I feel like there's always a narrative of this, because I've heard about this stuff before, but of like the servant being buried alive with them, which I feel like would be a worse fate than being killed and buried with your master. But Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And due to the lack of markings on the skeletons, archaeologists believe that the method of killing was either strangulation or cyanide poisoning, but these killings occurred in the early dynastic period and evidence of these practices like just disappeared around like 2800 BCE. Mm. And then fast forward thousands of years and thousands of miles to the United States of America. The uh, Cahokia Native American people who lived in what is now East St. Louis, Illinois area, they did their own bit of sacrificing, it would seem, 
The Cahokia Mounds, which are still there, is considered to be the largest and most complex archaeological site north of the great pre-Columbian cities in Mexico. Mm-hmm. In 1967, around 280 skeletons were found in a mass burial on Mound 72. 53 of the bodies were of young women, and they were found without trauma, so it's believed that they were likely strangled, poisoned, or killed by bloodletting. And they were all placed in neat rows, and their deaths are placed between around 1,000 to 1,100 CE. A separate pit contained about 40 bodies, both men and women, who by all appearances suffered much more violent deaths, signs of decapitation, large fractures, arrow wounds. Some evidence suggests that people were even buried alive, and maybe those were prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. Archaeologists also found a man buried in an elaborate setup, a clearly important figure. He was buried with copper plates, arrowheads, and other artifacts of the time. They coined him Birdman as he was placed under a bed of more than 20,000 beads placed in the shape of a bird. Some speculate that the young women were sacrificed to be buried with him. Oh, have you seen uh, Birdman, Michael Keaton? Because I, I don't remember this. <laughs> Anywho, carved stone idols of the corn goddess have been found in Cahokia's temples, leading archaeologists to believe that these sacrifices were for her. Aww. Many of the Cahokia people were corn farmers themselves. The study of the Cahokia people is still ongoing as there is very little information about them that we know for certain, but the earliest written record of their people occurred 300 years after they vacated. Wow. We turn our morbid curiosity to Europe now, where there are enough strange monuments to suggest that something freaky was going down. (laughs) But while there is little to no evidence of human sacrifice at the iconic Stonehenge monument in the UK, there's another Stonehenge-like structure in Germany. In excavating, archaeologists found several artifacts like stone axes and animal bones believed to be a part of the Bell Beaker culture. They found the dismembered bodies of 10 women and children in positions that suggested that they were tossed into these shafts that were found at the site. Four of the women had skull and rib fractures. The graves of 13 men were found on the east side of the rings. The bodies showed no signs of trauma and were positioned in a way that linked death with the sunrise. Or so the Mm -hmm. archaeologists believe. Yeah, I I mean, I could totally see why they're thinking. I'm sure the sun is a big part of a lot of these sacrifices, right? It was such a powerful symbol and, uh, you know, the life revolved around it, right? Especially in in these early cultures and and things like that. Yeah, not knowing what that big ball of gas Mm -hmm. is in the sky. They didn't know what gas was. They they don't know anything. They just didn't know. So, I mean, I get it, but also... You know, yeah, and like the sun, the sun shining dictates whether your crops grow. Sure, a hundred percent. Whether you're going to be warm, all these things, it, your life revolves yes. around it. Yeah. And to finish out the Stonehenge monument in Germany, the reason behind these discrepancies in gender and matter of death is unknown, but it leads archaeologists to believe that the group of women and children were involved in ritual sacrifice. But before we move on to Japan, now a word from our sponsors. Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone, and they want your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Last time, I bought the Majestic Forest bookends, but I actually got something else Ooh. this time. I, um, I'm i going to Scotland soon, and I got, literally, Uncommon Goods has everything. I got this compact, pa- packable travel neck pillow, and it's 
literally the most comfortable airplane pillow I've ever had. I even sometimes use it even when I'm just like watching TV on my couch and I'm just tired. <laughs> like Uncommon Goods, it's it's stacked and you got the perfect gift for yourself, Jess. So yes. <laughs> Imagine what you could begin for your old pal, Elise, here. Mm -hmm. Okay. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. And not the same lackluster gifts you can just find anywhere. Who knows what holiday shipping will look like this season and the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now and get it taken care of early. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash 30mm. 30mm. That's uncommongoods.com slash 30mm for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods were all out of the ordinary. If you've ever shopped for an electric bike, you probably needed to sit down when you saw the price tags. At least for me, that's one of the main reasons I never purchased one before. Yes, but thankfully, electric e-bikes cost way less than any other e-bikes and without skimping on quality or features. Along with the awesome price, they have great features. They fold in half for easy storage and come fully assembled with free shipping. Plus, you can customize your e-bike to your liking. Get a little bell, get a little storage container for it. I love my bike and... I use it to go somewhere that I wouldn't usually that is more hilly. And I've talked about this before, but like I love biking and like going out to eat on a beautiful kind of summer evening or if it's warm out or bundle up and having a bike and knowing that I can get home easily after it just makes me more motivated to as well. hundred percent. Electric e-bikes are incredibly durable and have a convenient design. Take any terrain, like Elise was saying, you know, including gravel, snow, sand, more hills, whatever, cover up to 45 miles on a single charge and reach up to 28 miles per hour with the help of a powerful 500 watt motor too. So hop on and ride with electric e-bikes. Go to electricebikes.com and get $100 off any e-bike purchase. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the show, and we are moving over to Asia now. In Japan, Hidobashira was practiced as a form of human sacrifice, and it involved burying people alive inside of pillars of important structures. And there's evidence that this happened up until the 16th century. Yeah, and the reasoning behind these practices was that the sacrifice would stop spirits from messing up the structural integrity of the buildings, making them immune to like fires and floods. I feel like that was a, a like during the research of this, that was like a first time I've heard Oh, to help the spirits from messing up the structural integrity yeah. of the building, you know? I yeah. thought that was so interesting. It's just like, just put some load-bearing walls. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's easy to see how something like this could spark a lot of legend and mysticism around it. Jessica, could these buildings and structures possibly become haunted? I mean, 
I would think so with what they were doing with them. But, uh, you know, they have, there's a legend. The legend of Maruka Castle says that when the walls were being constructed, that they were constantly collapsing. No, no matter what the workers did, the builders believed that the only solution left was to have a human sacrifice. A woman named Ashizu agreed and was promised that her son would become a samurai after her death. I would just be like, maybe it's not structurally sound to build here, but I like that they were like, only solution is human sacrifice. And oh gosh, poor Oshizu. Um, This totally didn't happen. So the castle's lord transferred and while they had promised her that her son would become a samurai, he never did. And so I hope Oshizu haunted that place. And maybe she did because afterwards, whenever it rained, the castle would overflow. And people said that this rain was Oshizu's tears. And I hope it was. I truly do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To later amend these wrongs, which I don't know if you can, but a monument was put up on the castle grounds to Oshizu. Mm -hmm. And in order not to make the spirits of those sacrificed angry after their passing, many are memorialized in cenotaphs at the place that they were sacrificed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's just a common thing then that you like put a memorial for someone you sacrificed. But that's like slapping a Band-Aid on it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's what I was just thinking that. I was like, this sounds backwards. Yeah. It's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Now, China happens to have the longest history of human sacrifice in the world. The earliest known human sacrifice in China occurred at the site of Shimao. The region was active from 2300 before Common Era to 1800 before Common Era, then was seemingly abandoned. Mm-hmm. They built fortified walls to protect themselves from enemy attacks, and 80 human skulls were found in six pits without the rest of the skeletons, so just the skulls, underneath one of the eastern walls. And the two pits located closest to the east gate, which acted as their main entrance, each had exactly 24 skulls. This led archaeologists to believe that these were sacrificial deaths. All of the victims were young girls and were believed to be prisoners from an enemy group. Yeah. The Shang dynasty also largely participated in ritual sacrifice. Archaeologists have found that many burial pits in the city of Yingshu that contain the remains of human skeletons, as well as dogs, pigs, and elephants. The most common sacrificial method that they documented was decapitation, although some skeletons were found with blunt force trauma to the head, which is like, okay, nice, we'll give them a break from the decapitation, just bop them in the head. And like the Egyptians, um, retainer sacrifices was also something that occurred in Chinese culture. And the reasoning behind these sacrifices were largely to communicate with the Shang gods, to ask for a good harvest season, good weather, or to the ancestors. Pretty common amongst kind of all of these human sacrifice yeah, situations. Yeah, I think that everything you just listed, we kind of see throughout a lot of these cultures that they're just sacrificing so that the features of their lives are improved. The conditions are improved, yeah. The Incan Empire of the 15th and 16th centuries practiced sacrifice in a unique way. And when I say unique, I mean child sacrifice that they called capococa. Yes, child sacrifice. Little is known about the ritual, but a recently discovered mummy is providing more information. According to archaeologists, the sacrifices were often children of chiefs as they were believed to be deities. And this would ensure a tie between the chief and the Inca emperor, who they believed was a descendant of the sun god. It was also believed that sacrificial children had to be perfect in physical appearance, so only Disney Channel actors. (laughs) That's all we're going with. Maybe yeah. the maybe the cast of Riverdale if there's a couple young ones. Yeah, so you're just like kind of you're just kind of praying, I hope I'm ugly. Yeah. Like, you know, I hope or you're I 
you're a parent and you're hoping your kid just comes out butt ugly. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. When the child was chosen, there would be a procession from the home of the child to the capital of the Inca Empire, Kazuko. After traveling to Kazuko, the procession would continue to the selected high mountain. A camp would be set up at the base of the mountain and memorial structures would be built. Yeah, and then atop the mountain, they built these platforms which had walls resembling tombs inside of them. They'd take the children and they would put them in these tombs alongside of some of their most precious belongings. Yes, this is strange, this next part. All of this is always so morbid, right? But then I think things like you bring kids into it and it's even worse. It's even more gut-wrenching to hear about that this was happening and being done and, ugh. Yeah, no, when it comes to children, I mean, human life is, is... in its own. Yeah, yeah precious. Anyway, and, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's a whole new level of sick, right? Mm-hmm. Coca and alcohol were also consumed by the children prior to their sacrifice. And some speculate that this was a way to drug or sedate them. Ugh. So Ugh. once, I know, once the child passed, the priests would return to the site and fill the burial site with dirt and place figurines of the children and other offerings on the site. Uh, and and I know. yeah, and in the way, in some other cultures, would do things after significant times or special occasions, special times of the season. These were made during or after big events, including if an earthquake happened or there was some kind of mass illness or drought or a emperor or leader died. They would do these sacrifices in response to those. Mm-hmm. Now. To my place of ancestry, <laughs> Italy, Italy, but more specifically, uh, Rome, ancient Rome specifically. Um, for the ancient Romans, human sacrifice was actually outlawed in 97 BC because they were disturbed by the idea. Like, no. When did this come about? <laughs> like, when did being disturbed about it come? Good. You know? <laughs> um However, the ritual killing still occurred to continue to establish Roman superiority. Ah, uh, they almost had it. I know. Almost. So close. Yeah, and in respect of the law, the Romans created their own distinction between what was considered human sacrifice versus what justified a ritual killing. Good, because, you know, you don't want to break the law. So as long as you, dis- <laughs> you distinguish it, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. yeah. Many times sacrifices occurred to appease, please, or request something from the gods. However, the Romans believed that they had no need to appease mm. gods because they believed that they had a good relationship with the gods to begin with. Then why the fall of Rome? Hmm? <laughs> Tell me that, Romans. Tell me that. Uh, this, good point. Yeah, this relationship led them to believe they were a superior civilization uh, yeah, they they didn't really think they were better than the gods. They just had this raging superiority complex <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah, that says a lot about yeah. the Italians. Just anyway, <laughs> you can say you can say that, Jessica. You can your words, your words. Um, after the law, the Romans only killed when they believed that they had a sign that the gods were angry or displeased at them. So basically, instead of killing to getting good with the gods, they killed to ask forgiveness. Oh. <laughs> And I feel like we can't talk about the Romans without talking about the Greeks. And there was very little evidence of human sacrifice in Greek history until quite recently when it was unearthed the past 10 years or so, actually, Mm -hmm. which is so recent. It is. Yeah. Plato and other writers mentioned animal sacrifices in their writings, and there were rumors of human sacrifices occurring as well. But no bodies had been discovered. However, they did mention that 
Mount Lycaon, where all these animal sacrifices took place. There were also mentionings of an altar of Zeus that was located at the southern peak of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And when archaeologists dug on this mountain, they found the skeletal remains of a teenager near the sacrificial altar. The only strange things about the remains are that it was found with two rows of stones and the upper part of the skull was missing. Yeah, and and as I just mentioned, like thinking about human sacrifice in Greece is all very new. And so this really threw archaeologists for a bit of a loop. Greece was our shining example of a functioning classical democracy with this advanced rational thinking. So human sacrifice is oh, kind of a wild contradiction to that. But knowing now that the remains were found at a known sacrificial burial site means that this girl died anything but a normal death. There was something happening here. Mm, yes. Artifacts with artifacts found with the body date the burial to the 11th century BC. And as of 2016, only 7% of the mountain had been excavated, leaving, you know, possibly more room for human sacrifice findings in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, and like speaking about early cultures doing things to try to like appease the gods or sacrifice things or make pledges in a way that would improve the conditions in their society. We talked a bit about Celtic culture in our Origins of Halloween episode because they Mm -hmm. would do harvest festivals to try to, you know, bring about good crops. But when it came to sacrifice, they were also very brutal, particularly those Druid priests as documented by the Romans in the first century. Yes. Julius Caesar said that the Celts believed the killing of prisoners and criminals kept their gods happy. And when they ran out of prisoners and criminals, they turned to their innocence like no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll just bring out the next person. Yeah. yeah. It, it was even suggested by first century historian Pliny the Elder that the Celts were cannibals and would even eat the skin of their enemies to gain spiritual and physical strength. I don't know how they thought that would do that, but that's very interesting and fascinating. We talked a bit about that in, what episode was it? We talked about how like, oh, maybe it was the grave robbing or the idea of like you eating a person or a strong, like you would consume that person's essence. and That's strength. right. Yeah. Yes. Because so. then I think I remember I brought up a Hocus Pocus reference. Yes. Where they would say, <laughs> uh, <yes>. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but however, the ancient Celts left behind no written record. So historians for many years were counting solely on the words of the Romans. But that was until archaeologists discovered a bog body, a body that has been naturally mummified, in the 1980s. They named him the Lindau Man, and his neat hygiene led the team to believe that he was of high status or a druid priest himself. The Lindau Man's head had been smashed in, and his neck showed evidence of slashing and strangulation. Archaeologists believe that the sacrifice of this high-power individual was to stop the advance of the Romans into their territory, so really put forward this show of intimidation. And his death is dated around 60 uh, after Common Era, which lines up with the time of the Roman invasion into Great Britain. Mm. And there's also evidence that suggests kings were sacrificed when being decommissioned. Oh, I bet, yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Different bog bodies found show evidence of noblemen with severe and violent afflictions. These include having holes cut in the upper arms due to restraints, stabbings, slicing off of the nipple, and disin- lots of things. Uh, uh, gosh. <laughs> lots of things. I you've you've seen Midsummer, right, Jess? Or have you the movie? I have seen Midsummer. I just I feel like everything comes back to, to I, just just you think that you're in a place that's fine, but then oh no. <laughs> There's something untoward happening. They're out there. Yeah. And uh, 
The tough part of this episode to confront is that human sacrifice still happens today in 2022 in the 21st century, even in the face of global humanitarianism and international laws that are supposed to prevent this kind of inhumane activity from happening. Yeah. Yes. Sadly, in 2011, fear rose in Uganda as children were being captured and trafficked. The reason? A ritual in which the sacrifice of a child would bring wealth and good health. The ritual had been nearly extinct, but saw a rise when the economy started to boom. Mm -hmm. Jess found a discrepancy in the number of cases happening each year. Police reported it in the 20s and 30s. However, there is speculation that the true numbers are more like 900 in a year and are unreported because of all the corruption in the police and legal system and a lack of just these cases being reported and sources. Mm -hmm. And there's also some discourse on the Internet about you know, if modern day suicide missions is a form of human sacrifice. Oh, yeah, like, like suicide bombings and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at its core, they share similar beliefs, the giving up of one's life to advance a greater power or purpose. As we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, some argue that the sacrificial killings play a large role in the development of the idea of social classes. And while many die in the process, it's necessary for the advancement of society. And and yeah, so the thinking of like, could society be where it is now if these early primitive or classical civilizations weren't doing these sacrifices, weren't establishing these social hierarchies and mm -hmm. growing them by doing this? I mean, it's, it's a question I don't have the answer to. <laughs> Same. It's a tough subject. Personally. For sure. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think that modern society has been built on the back of a lot of horrible things happening mm -hmm. to lead to this point. So, you yeah. know, and, and yeah, it's uh, the fact that like, obviously these things still happen, especially because and these things happen also sometimes too because of superstitions, mm -hmm. you know, people mm -hmm. thinking even now in present day having weird superstitions that inform their, you know, them killing someone mm -hmm. is, is scary. And truly like, you know, we think it doesn't happen, but it does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's human sacrifice for you. There's, I mean, there's, there's so many more cultures like the, the near East and so many others that we just didn't cover, but we, we, we just don't have the time to go into all yeah, the details. Or like the stomach for it. I think at a the certain point. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. but hey, there is, you can find it all on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it is out there if you want to see it and, and learn more about it. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have more interesting cases or facts that you think would be interesting for us to hear. I wanted, I wanted to say fun, but I'm like, it's never fun. It, I guess it's in a morbid way. Yes. But mm -hmm. more just fascinating than anything. Please reach out to us. You can tweet us at Jessica Vasami, at Elise Willems, at 30 Morbid Minutes. Find us on Instagram by the same handles. And mm -hmm. follow us on TikTok because we're doing really bite-sized infotainment content that we think that you'll like. It's got fun visuals and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. And we are officially in spooky season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we have a new shirt in the store. Please go, please go check it out. Um, amongst our other shirts that we've had yes. there for a while at the Rooster Teeth store. Store.roosterteeth.com. And um, yeah, keep sending us your pictures. 
We'd love to see it. And also send us some of your Halloween costumes, like when the time comes. I would yeah. I would love to see it. <laughs> oh, I would love to. I, I know. Would love to. Even before this podcast, I wish people had just tweeted their Halloween costumes <laughs> at me. Yeah. I know. I'd love to see them. So. Uh, that's yeah. one of my things this time. I mean, I love this time of year. Um, but one of the things I really enjoy is I'll go on like Imager or something is around Halloween and just look at everyone's cool costumes. I love it. I love it too, because I love looking at also the cleverness of some of them for each year. And, uh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And next week on the show, we are talking about cursed objects, cursed Ooh. haunted objects, items, artifacts, dolls, mm-hmm. anything can be cursed really. Is- I had nightmares of, of Chucky as a child and the freaking revenge Pinocchio. We'll talk about it. Oh no! But like these dolls, like just are not a, a not a good place uh, for me. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll <laughs> save it for the episode. But for now, Jess, you you want to go shoot some hoops? No thanks. Yeah, yeah. We just they go, already we'll know get, I'll lose. We'll get the hip and ball I know what out. That means. We'll get the old, no, the old hip ball out. Bounce. My hips don't hip. work, and my hips don't lie. No, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> take it again. So take it again. My hips do lie. Not here. Nope. This is not working. <laughs> This is not good. To say anything else other than anything about your hips lying. lying. <laughs> <laughs> they use the ball with their hips. <laughs> they hit the I ball with know. their hips. Which is so interesting. <laughs> I, anyway. Can I tell yeah, can I tell you like for me, one of the things about that sport was I'm like, how were they good at this? Hitting I, the ball with like your hips. <laughs> I know. I we should give it a try. We should record yeah, ourselves. Yeah, let's do it. Put it on the internet at least. <laughs> I say yeah. we go for it. Let's play some puck talk. And anyway, winner gets lunch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.